Welcome to Forward. Educate yourself on the new world. The podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance with your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Real chiropractic talk. No rainbows, no unicorns. Start putting in the work. The biggest names in the industry. The legends, the innovators, the up-and-comers. This is the podcast for progressive DCs. So buckle up. Passion is the feeling you have that you would probably do this for free and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. All right, welcome to the podcast, Forward, the podcast, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Today's guest has a bio that is uh, too long for us to read in its entirety. Uh, He is a busy, busy man doing lots of important things. Like recently, he was a speaker at Parker Seminars. But Dr. Kevin Christie is a is currently the CEO of HealthFit Chiropractic, HealthFit Corporate Wellness, which provides on-site chiropractic and ergonomics uh, for corporations such as Royal Caribbean, ADT Security, Tyco, World Fuel Services, Strategic Coach, Frito-Lay, and others. He has a podcast called the, Mo- the Modern Death Jockey Podcast, uh, also the podcast, the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Podcast. Me and Dr. Christie have joined up in creating a thing, a thing. (laughs) How awesome is that? We created a thing uh, called the Chiropractic Success Academy. Uh, Look at the Chiropractic Success Academy as sort of a uh, Netflix of chiropractic information blended with some um, community, blended with some mastermind group functions, and blended with some business training and uh, marketing training. All in one membership little package that you get. Uh, this episode might, I don't want it to sound like a commercial, but because me and Dr. Christie have so much in common and we are partners, our endeavors together show up, but we're not trying to sell you on anything. We're just talking about what we think is important in this podcast. Uh, and when it comes to this podcast, we also need to talk about what else is important and that's our sponsors. The American Chiropractic Association is our hands-on partner. They've raised uh, standards for membership and they insist on evidence-based care and working hand-in-hand with other healthcare professionals in an interdisciplinary fashion, being a team player in the care of patients throughout the world, but particularly in America. Uh, Visit acatoday.org backslash join. Find out more if you're not a member, but if you're not a member, uh, I don't even know you. But if you're not a member, uh, type in the promo code FTCA and see if that saves you a, a, a bit on your membership dues. Another sponsor of ours is Painzone, iPainzone.com. They've got a new cream. They've got great products. You can go to iPainzone.com and get free samples. And uh, there's really no reason not to. It's free, and free is awesome. Uh, we also have a sponsor, Advanced Musculoskeletal Therapies. Go to themiraclewave.com and learn more about extracorporeal shockwave therapy, sound wave therapy, what it can do for tendinopathies and other tendinous soft tissue injuries. Uh, It's a great, great tool to have. If you need that great, great tool, there's no better place to get it than with AMT and using the Miracle Wave. Uh, If I miss any other sponsors, oh, Parker Seminars. So Parker Seminars, you're going to look at their website. They have this great new event coming up. Uh, It's uh, about functional training, and and they've got great speakers, including Rich Froning, um, Dan Ripito. It's really soon. I believe it's in May uh, 2019, so you're going to want to check your calendars fast if you live in that 
that Dallas region, Oklahoma, this Texas, uh, all those places. And you're going to want to check that event out. Um, there's going to be some competitions, some functional training competitions, uh, an obstacle course that looks sort of like, uh, you know, one of those obstacle course uh, things without the mud and the walking through fire and all that. So check all that stuff out. Uh, th those are our sponsors. Now, please enjoy this dual purpose podcast with Dr. Kevin Christie. This podcast is also going to be on his modern chiropractic marketing podcast. So we tried to mix it up and be a little, a little different, a little special uh, with this podcast. So I interview him. I'm the host in the beginning. And then we flip the script and he is the host in the second half of the podcast and uh, you can catch this episode either on his podcast or mine. Uh, and hopefully if you're coming over from his podcast, hello. And uh, my folks, definitely, if you have not checked out the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Podcast, do so. I will say Dr. Christie runs his podcast a little shorter than I do. Um, and mine go a little bit into the long form realm. So uh, they're a little different, but they are both uh, pretty awesome in our eyes. And I hope you enjoy it. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the podcast podcast, <laughs> the two DCs podcast with Dr. Kevin Christie. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? And Dr. Bobby, maybe I'm good. We're uh, this is the two guys podcast because we're going to diversify this content into both of our different podcasts, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast and your modern chiropractic marketing podcast. Absolutely. It'll be cool. I think I've seen this done before. Well, we never know. I like experimenting because it doesn't really matter just as long as we have good conversation. Yeah. For people who are listening to this and don't know about your podcast, where can they find it? Yeah, the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. You can type in that URL. You can look for the Facebook group. You can Google it. If you don't know what Google is, you can Google, Google. Google, Google. <laughs> it's like podcast, podcast. Like the two guys podcast. Yeah, exactly. And for my for people who don't know about my group, it's called the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. Yes, there's a Facebook group. Uh, there is a website, forwardthinkingchiro.com, which we'll refer to again in, in the near future here on this show. And then the podcast itself is Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, the website itself. And now it's also on Spotify. Man getting that coverage out there you know we have sponsors now kevin so no, i know you're, you gotta you, please them you got some good guests too like i like listening to your podcast because you uh you got some big hitters on there and i think it's very wide ranging as far as the the conversations go i want to get a little wider though i think i, I want to interview a lot more people from different professions and start to give people more perspectives about life in general because we get stuck in our little professional bubble and we might not realize that a lot of people are going through a lot of the same or similar challenges, which you probably see more of as a member of strategic coach, right? I do, which is why actually I joined them back in the day is because I didn't want to be put in a box uh, that most chiropractic coaching is. And I wanted to be more of like an entrepreneur and understand business and marketing and be able to then apply it to the type of chiropractic that I wanted, basically. Yeah, I had a friend once. Um, similar things that we talk about. I never would consider myself a consultant, you know, maybe a coach, but maybe more of a guide, but maybe a coach would be fair. And I always talk to him about it. Like someday 
this business acumen that he has and the clinical acumen I have and, and things like that, we should provide a service to people. We should be coaches. And he, he was always like, uh, all right, when I make my first million dollars, then I'll consider it. <laughs> and it was like, I don't think it's ever going to work that way then. And quite frankly, I don't think making the million makes you an expert on any of the content. No, it doesn't. And sometimes those folks are not good at coaching. They're more like, um, anomalies you know sometimes the biggest ones you see in in business or practice are complete anomalies or complete innovators and they're, you're not going to be able to replicate what they do in your practice you have to make yourself your own anomaly which leads us to the chiropractic success academy or at least in my mind our shameless self-plugging that we're going to do here for a moment uh, you and me started this chiropractic success academy it was originally sort of my idea to create a thing that was sort of like a YouTube of really good chiropractic information, you know, and you got to pay for it because it, it takes work to put that stuff online and all that. But I wanted it to be categorized and sort of curated and produced in a way that can be applicable to everybody and just have tons of content on one page that whatever you are curious about as the member, you know, whether it was marketing that day or clinical stuff, business related content that you could go in and do that. And I needed somebody who really knew the marketing stuff way better than I ever could and the business stuff. And that, that's you for sure. So I asked you and you said yes, because you're nice and, <laughs> and influential, <laughs> easily influenced by a guy like me. Yeah, a little bit of both for sure. So we started this Chiropractic Success Academy. It's been going great. I think it's still an experiment in process like an ant farm. We're trying to make it better each day. Uh, but what what impressions have you taken from it so far as we've gotten started? We're about, what, six, seven months in or so? Oh, July of last year. So we're pulling yeah. up. Yeah, it's been it's been a good... We're getting almost to a year, yeah. Yeah, it's been a good run. And I think one of the th images that I found from Joe Polish uh, maybe a month ago, and I think I shared it, but it was a box with a bunch of dots in it. And it said information. And then it was a box with all the same dots, but connected. And that said knowledge. And I liked it because I feel like that's what say my Facebook group is and your Facebook group is to where it's a bunch of good information, right? Like it's a bunch of good information. You can get a ton out of it. I mean, think about what you've got from your Facebook group as far as where it's gone and how it's grown. But then something like CSA is more of like connecting those dots and putting it in a way that's digestible for people at any step of the process of being either a student, new grad, middle of the road, kind of been around for five, 10 years, and then more experience like you and I. I think it really helps connect those dots. And then especially as we've, it's become more robust, the, the academy, there's a lot of information in there. That's why we decided to put that kind of start here category where it's like, run through these things first and then you can go the direction you want to and, and use it as kind of a, a database of things. So I think that's what I've gotten out of it. It really connects those dots. And the members that we have now, they will tell you with you and me producing anywhere from three to four things per month to put in there that they feel like they're drinking from a fire hose sometimes. <laughs> yes. And yes. I always try to reiterate that you're not supposed to digest all of it pursue the, th the things that are important to you. And we, we accomplished that in the beginning of the CSA through uh, an audit process that you came up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did a pretty extensive audit to where we gave them three big 
key takeaways and start there. And then, you know, we, we probably need to actually have them refill it out just for their own doing. I don't want to go through all the time to re- <laughs> read through all theirs again. Yeah. Yeah. There was like 85, I think signed up from the beginning. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's a lot of, you know, to individualize everybody. That's a lot to go through. Yeah. But the audit's cool because it actually, it actually give you the feedback you need without having to necessarily have someone go through it. And you, as you fill it out, you're like, Oh, I probably should do that. I should probably improve on that. Uh, it makes you think, you know, and, and so it gave a little bit of a tailored component to the CSA for them. And then they could plug in what they needed to do. Before we started this and I was um, hanging out with my two-year-old and saying, you know, before you do a podcast, I was like, what am I going to talk about and all that. And just the word success came to my mind. Like, (laughs) how do you even define success? Or when it comes to the Chiropractic Success Academy, I try to define it for all of our members as a thing that success, you have to define your own definition of success and not let somebody else define it for you. And then we build the roadmap from there. I'm not asking you what you think success is, but I found that running this academy, it's been challenging to to sort of help people see that their own success can be completely different and then, and then try to show them how to make their own road roadmap to get there. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a good way of putting it because it's going to be different for everybody, uh, completely different. Right. Hopefully, hopefully so. I mean, I don't think our business is homogenized like that where, mm-hmm. you know, like dentistry or uh, the success definitions could be a lot more limited or truncated for sure. And I think it kind of, to try to answer, not for me personally, but for people in general, what I use is a kind of a lighthouse and it's a strategic coach concept, but it's that four freedoms, which we do ask and we have a module and it's like freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of purpose and freedom of relationship. And it's like, you know, we can all point to the person that's got plenty of money, but has no time and they're just killing themselves and their family's falling apart and, and all that. And then we get the person that's, unfortunately doesn't have freedom of money, especially in our profession. We run into that a lot. So we got to get that squared away. But the thing with money is it's all your personal relationship with money, right? Like, you know, people that make 95,000 a year and live phenomenally and and are happy and everything's great because they're smart with their money and they're, you know, and then you got people that make $325,000 a year and their yearly expenses are $375,000. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that was my point. Like I could define success through the success Academy by if I can show a doctor, whatever that end game is, if I can show them the way there and they can figure it out for themselves, that would be what I would define as success. I mean, I see so many chiros that are sort of stuck in that leaky bucket rat race, you know, like they've just constantly got to fill the bucket and they end up on your doorstep. They're like, can you be the one, Kevin Christie, Bobby, can you be the ones to help me fill my leaky bucket? (laughs) And they sort of come snooping around and seeing if you can fill their leaky bucket. And you try to tell them it's not the bucket, it's you. (laughs) And they don't want to hear. They're like, on to the next one. I don't have time for this. I need to find someone who's going to help me fill my leaky bucket. And it's like, maybe that's not the definition of success that'll work for everybody. It's true. And I had this conversation with someone not that long ago because there's definitely a cash flow crunch. And and I've talked to quite a few chiropractors about this. And I always bring it back to myself, but patients can sense if something's off with you. Right. Let's say it's a cash flow crunch, or like for me, it was going through the divorce in 2015. 
the like I struggled. I showed up to work every day. I never missed a day of work, but I struggled and patients could sense that even though I put on a show when I was at office and it did help and as far as being around people and all that, but they could sense it. And after the fact, when like everything kind of the dust settled, people would share with me afterwards. Like, you know, I could just tell something was was a little off and or if you're having cash flow issues, you're going to be thinking about that. And like, if instead of 20 patients on the schedule, only 13 showed up and you're pissed off and you're aggravated and it's going to seep into that. You can get all the guidance you want in the world and all the strategies and tips and tactics and stuff like that. But if you don't fix that, then it's going to be for naught. You're not going to really get the results that you want. So sometimes you have to be honest with yourself. Sometimes we have to be honest with them. <laughs> There's a lot to it. And there's strategies too that are appropriate. So just recently you've made a very short video about the during game and the after game of marketing, not just that attracting of a new patient, but the the middle and the end game as well of this process that you take somebody through. Mm -hmm. And uh, first and foremost, I think if people will at least wrap their minds around the, the, the idea that it's a, it's a relationship process mm -hmm. and not all, not all valuable relationships are meant to last forever. But if, at least if you can respect the process, you can build more worthwhile relationships. But what, what did you have to say about the uh, during and after game that was important or that's sunk in with you the most? Yeah, so Dean Jackson, I'd like to give him credit. Dean Jackson talks a lot about, he's a marketing guy, and he calls it the before, during, and after unit. And essentially what the mistake a lot of chiropractors are making is that they only focus on new patients. We hear when we're in school, new patients are the lifeblood of your practice and everybody's trying to get through new patients. Well, historically, yeah, you have to have new patients, but historically chiropractors have kind of burned and churned through new patients. And so they need to keep on getting more and more and more and more. And they're never in a situation where they have a self-sustaining and predictable practice because they haven't done anything to optimize that during unit, which is the patient experience from the moment they call your practice to the end of their treatment plan or the after unit, which is when they're done with their treatment plan. And let's say they come in, you know, regularly, maybe once a month or whatever, or they just don't come in at all. You got to be focusing on those things where historically the poor chiropractors have burned people is during that during unit, right? Like they try to get them in kicking and screaming, and then they try to sell them on this craziness and this crazy plan. Well, they don't want to refer any patients in, right? <laughs> right? Like they kind of felt duped and they feel ashamed that they bought into this craziness. And so that's been historically. But the point of what I talked about is for chiropractors is to really focus their marketing and their strategies around that during unit and the after unit. Because what ends up happening if you do that, three things are going to happen. You're going to get more new patients because if Mary's really happy during that treatment plan of hers, She's going to be more likely to refer patients in during that period of time, right? Yeah, there's and a window there. Yeah. It's a huge window. And then also, if you're sending out regular emails and content around that, those people that have not been in in a while, like let's say eight months, they're still going to tend to refer people in. You know, like if Mary gets an email from you and she's sitting at her desk and then Sally next to her is complaining of a headache, it should be a high chance she's going to refer Sally into your practice. Whereas if she hadn't seen any of your content in eight months since the last time she'd been in your office, she would have forgot about you. And so if you really do well on those two things, you're going to get more new patients. Secondly, if your patient experience or that during unit is really good, and you're getting them valuable information, and you're communicating well with them, you're going to increase your patient retention. They're going to actually stick to the treatment plan. 
And then lastly, patient activation reactivations are going to go up. If you have a good after unit strategy and Dan Kennedy, the marketing guy talks about putting fence around your cattle, whereas the patient and your patient base is your cattle. The content is the fence around them and you're always going to maintain that top of mind awareness. And so they're going to come in more often when something happens. And so, you know, Mary hasn't been in your practice for eight months and she has a headache. And then Sally says, oh, you got to go see my chiropractor. Mary's forgotten about you and says, okay, yeah, let me get, you know, her number. Whereas if she had content around him, Mary would have told Sally, no, I actually have a chiropractor. I got an email a couple weeks ago from, I'm going to give them a call and stop on it. Right. And so now you've gotten more reactivations and you have a very sustainable, predictable patient flow and a practice that's healthier than the one that's reliant on having to drag new patients in all the time through a lot of kind of crazy marketing stuff. That does or doesn't work. Well, you know, some of those folks. They're trying to date supermodels, I call it. (laughs) So you want to date a supermodel, what do you do? You ask a thousand supermodels out and one's going to say yes. (laughs) It's like, uh, so there's some chiros out there that want to close patients on a, I used air quotes there, they want to close patients on an air quote plan, quote unquote. And it's like, how do you do that? You go to the, whatever they do, the mall or with their marketing, they get a hundred people in and they try to close two or three of them. (laughs) It's a numbers game, right? It's a, it's a numbers game, and that's not, I don't think that's how the majority of people want to operate. Some are told that's the way they must operate, and that that's kind of my point from the beginning is there are so many different ways to operate. Don't let anyone tell you you have to do this business in a specific way, but you do need to understand the basic workings of marketing and business, and these are said and understood concepts. It's more expensive to get a new patient or a new customer than it is to keep one that you already have. Those sort of concepts will always live true in business. We just would like to think that we're a little different, but we're not. We're not. So, yeah. And, you know, I think part of it too is that we don't have any big ticket items really as chiropractors, especially evidence informed chiropractors. You know, we don't have the surgery or the, the braces that the orthodontists have to where you, right. if you get 10 people to come in and two buy, like, oh, we just, you know, bought a car. We don't have that. And so you need to be consistent with, people coming in and for the right reasons. And like you said earlier, building those relationships, it's just very important. Oh, it's like uh, hotel catering as we prepare for the <clears throat> chiropractic success Academy summer retreat hotel catering, where they'll get you for a, a couple grand for your event <laughs> versus owning a uh, croissant shop. You know, they'll get you on the big event and, and you got to pay the big price for the big event. But chiropractic's more like a coffee and croissant donut shop. It's like, you have to be really good with every little donut and hope that people come back and purchase over the long term many, many donuts or send other people in to get their donut or croissant. You know, this idea that you're going to sell a lifetime croissant membership after one meeting, it just seems kind of far-fetched. I know some can, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that's what everybody should be doing. And I think that's a point, like some can, right? There are outliers in every profession. Every profession is going to have the top, you know, 0.05% or 1%, but some professions you're going to have a, a range that can do r- really well financially. You know, like if you're in the top 50% of plastic surgeons, you're probably making a killing. Whereas with chiropractic, you know, you it's tougher and you got to find yourself 
at a higher percentage to get the living that you want. But one of our goals is I know is to try to get that range to be higher. Like how do we get more chiropractors achieving what they desire and not having to rely on purely being this charismatic, amazing person, communicator, whatever we want to improve on those things, but how can we get chiropractors doing a lot of things the right way that has a well-rounded approach that gives them a very nice practice. Yeah. You know, when I, I just spoke in Berlin at the WFC slash ECU Congress, somebody asked that question in a Q&A session to us, to me. You know, it was like, uh, we have these chiropractors and we only see a certain percentage of the population. And how do we see more of a percentage? And and how do we build our success and reputation and all, all those sort of things were wrapped up into one question. And I, I simply answered, I think it was like one or two sentences. Patients can be considered customers as well. And if you give the customer what they actually want, they will buy more of it. And that was it. Makes sense. And uh, they're telling us out there, the customers are telling us, public health officials are telling us that low back pain is a worldwide epidemic. Musculoskeletal pain and musculoskeletal dysfunction are a worldwide epidemic that affects lives and it affects workplace productivity and all these other issues. And we just seem to not want to grab that bull by the horns and just own it. And there's a whole patient slash customer base out there that would just love to have an expert to go to that, you know, it's, it's been outlined in many texts and many research papers that low back pain and musculoskeletal pain is like a, it's like a choose your own adventure. It's like a shopping in a grocery store. People don't have an expert to go to that can give them the best answers. We can be that expert. Uh, It just seems like there's a certain percentage of us that don't want it because they want to hold out for the bigger the bigger magical, the big pie in the sky, you know, like I want to deal with these big things. And it's like, that is a big thing. <laughs> it is. A worldwide epidemic is a big thing that you can own and be a worldwide leader in. But, uh, you know, everyone's got their own perspective. It gets kind of frustrating. Yeah. And I know you've talked about it before. It's like you'd have a dream of having like to be the low back clinic where you're the the person, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that people can actually do you know i talk a lot about niches and sometimes it's more like we're going to niche to golf or we're going to niche to pediatrics or we're going to niche to to that you could niche to the back right (laughs) you could be the person in your community as the the go-to for it if obviously you know your information you're up to date on it you've got the great treatment methods and evaluations and then you position yourself as that through very effective content marketing you could become the back person (laughs) and we could do that as a profession in a lot of ways in big cities i mean you could be you could you can niche yourself to a body part for sure shoulders necks knees motor vehicle accidents things like that um i think that is my portion of hosting the show oh yeah now i'd like you to have time hosting the show on the two guys podcast Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway from Berlin? My biggest takeaway is that the tide is absolutely shifting, even if it's shifting much slower than people would like to imagine, uh, as far as this movement towards a more evidence-based, integrative, patient-centered approach to care. There was a recent survey that went around on Facebook about removing the word subluxation from the profession Yeah, that was an interesting one. Get into it here. (laughs) But 
that question was asked in a, in a researched published poll in I believe 1990, it might've been 2003 or 1993. It was one of those. I think it was 2003 and 97% of the people said, no, we, we're not getting rid of that word. And then you move on to now 2019. So we're what, 15, 16 years later. And the, it, it was uh, 64 to 36, 64%. No, we're not getting rid of that word 36. Yes. So that's a 33% shift, even though this Facebook poll is not, you know, it's not, there, there was no standards to it. Who knows what those numbers are. It could be completely different, but the conversations are changing. The, the researchers are getting involved and that's when you need to start paying attention because usually these scientists usually just do their work. They publish their findings and then they get out of the way and they don't really make sort of political type comments or, or directional comments towards a profession. But what I saw in Berlin were a lot of the researchers saying, here is our information. We need to go in this direction with it. And then uh, even uh, Jan Harvickson, who was published in The Lancet, was standing up on the stage and saying that certain behaviors in the profession are just outright nonsense and we need to stop them. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal, especially on a stage like that. Now, what I saw that blended with that, so there's that, and the Congress itself is supposed to be inclusive, and I think it was inclusive to a degree, but, you know, the people who don't want to be there aren't going to be there. They're going to be in their own echo chamber at their own events because it costs money to go to these events, so why would you go to an event where people might disagree with you? Yeah. Uh, You would go to an event where everyone disagrees with you and you feel good about yourself, so... I don't think it was equally represented as far as like inclusiveness, but there were definitely different avenues or different folks from different strokes there. The thing that was interesting was watching the blending of the politicians. So now we have scientists saying we need to go one way. We have the clinicians saying we need to go that way. We have other practitioners saying, no, we disagree. We're going to go this way. And then we have politicians in the middle and they're the ones that I, I respect the work they're doing. I understand that, it's work that needs to be done, but geez, Louise, do they suck at life? <laughs> I mean, they just, they're stuck in a position where they have to try to please everybody, you know? So their language is the most ineffectual, non, you know, we always think that the politicians are the ones who are supposed to get things done, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones who go in there and they make change happen and they represent people and they get it done. But I think in the chiropractic political landscape, in this landscape, and there's no, this is not an insult on any one person or politician because I know they're doing the job. And like I said, I think they're doing, they're doing the best they can in it. But they also are, are on like a, a hierarchy. You know, they're, they're at the top of a certain food chain and they don't want to lose their position in this food chain at all. So they're not going to say anything that's going to offend anybody. And, and that's where, you know, you bring up someone like me into a room like this, because I will say the thing that needs to be said, <laughs> you know, within some bounds of modesty or, or respect, I'm not going to get too out of hand, but someone's got to say the things that need to be said. And it was such a relief to see people like Jan Harvickson and Greg Kawchuk and these researchers and leaders like uh, Michelle Myers and other PhDs that were saying the things that need to be said, but the politicians were still like sort of, buh, 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 we can't, we can't offend anybody. And I, I get it. That's where their money comes from. You ever see the movie Charlie Wilson's war a long time ago? Yeah. We need a yeah. Charlie Wilson yeah. for the chiropractic profession. I mean, it, <laughs> for those that haven't seen it, he basically was a politician from Texas and he got things accomplished that would have been no chance 
with his platform. I think he was a Democrat, not to get into politics, but there was just no way it was going to get done. But he was so connected and he knew how to to really get things done. And he wasn't afraid to shoot people straight. And he accomplished uh, what he set out to do and really changed the game for that particular topic. But we uh, we definitely need a Charlie Wilson to. Here's my vision, man. Like, there's a lot of talk of divorce yeah. in the profession, or or somehow like stair stepping the profession so that one faction that believes a certain way can go one way, and one faction goes the other way. I don't think there's two factions, and I think that's the the foundation of this argument that is flawed. So everyone who's talking about divorce or or the politicians that are like, you can't be left or right, whatever you want to call it because you might offend this mass middle that's just really apathetic or quiet. And so there's no mass middle. I think there's just a bunch of different small segments to the profession that are sort of like tied around their treatment type, right? Yeah, like makes sports. sense. And then even in sports, there's like sports rehab people, and then there's like sports physiotherapy people, and then there's like sports performance people, and then there's the people who use clickers, and then there's the people who – uh, do nutrition and functional medicine like they're not in a middle they're all over the place so you're not going to appease any sort of middle and it's just a foundational way that this profession came along it's been there since the beginning so there is no pleasing a middle what you need to do is at least sit everybody down and say okay for now what can we at least agree on can we agree on anything? Can we agree uh, that people should have access to conservative care? like conservative holistic care. Okay. We can go there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then kind of branch off from there. So instead of focusing on our disagreements, if we can focus on our agreements, then we can at least start somewhere. But I do think at some point, everybody is going to have to break bread in one room. And if I remember my history, right, that's where the WFC, the world federation of chiropractic came from. I think they, uh, at some point came to the ICA and the ACA and they were like, y'all need to come together. It was like a, it was like a Beatles song, you know, like come together <laughs> and the ICA and the ACA could not do that. Mm-hmm. So the WFC was born out of that in one way or another. Okay. That makes sense. Now you kind of mentioned earlier about, you know, you're kind of becoming that, that person that's trying to move that conversation forward. Are you accepting of that role? Or are you looking to do more of that, like go to Tokyo in a couple of years, different things like that. Is that something you're willing to accept? Cause it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big job. Oh, it was another thing that Jan Harvickson said in, in Berlin is even he got on the stage and he said, there's this thing called imposter syndrome to the docs listening out there. You have it too. You just don't know it. And imposter syndrome is this idea that when you're asked to do something that you think is way out of your league, you feel like you're an imposter and, and at some point everyone's going to expose you as a fraud, you know, but the reality of someone who has imposter syndrome is no, by all means and in, in, intents and purposes, they are meant to be there for some reason or another. You're not faking. If somebody invited you to speak at your County health board meeting, or they invited you to speak at Parker seminars, or they invited you to speak in Berlin or anywhere else, you, you've earned it. You deserved it at some level. You did something. And you have to remember what that thing was and, and be true to that. And that's what this has been. This is, for me, all it's been is being very honest, almost honest to the point of being somewhat too real. You know, like I've torn down all the professional walls sometimes in my speech. 
you know, even using cuss words and things like that and being overly dramatic to get people's attention, you know, and that stuff has to be dialed back. So things like Tokyo, the WFC meeting in Tokyo in 2021, I told uh, Richard Brown, who, who is the chancellor of the WFC and those folks, I plan on being there. Um, I plan on improving my message and tightening it and, and being even better than I was or what I am now. And that's, that's what to me forward thinking is I can only guarantee that I'll be better in two years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, dude. Cause public speaking's hard. <laughs> it <laughs> you is can hard. say whatever you want, but as soon as they call you on that stage and you look out there, it's like, Oh yeah, it, it's hard. I know uh, for me, Parker Vegas, I think I had about 400 in the audience and it was the biggest, but I, I, I did well. And I got some compliments and I had people come up and tell me, you know, it did good, but they don't see, all of the talking that I've done in the past and kind of take it back to like the marketing thing is like, I built my practice on public speaking in the community, whether it was a running group, a golf country club or whatever. Like I just constantly was getting in front of people because I, I sucked at it when I was, <laughs> I was part of at Logan. They had something called the health awareness workshop team. Uh-huh. You had to give a talk every Wednesday night to the new patients that came into the student clinic and it was a pretty good talk. It wasn't anything crazy. It was a, it was a good, healthy, you know, 45 minute talk and you had to try out for it. And I, and I actually failed it. I didn't join, I didn't make the team <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> so I had to retry and I did it. And I, they finally, basically, I think they let me in and they felt bad. Uh, but I started giving those talks and I didn't, you know, start getting better. And then I remember a buddy and I of uh, myself and we went out and we had to do a dual talk, a bunch of burly men that were line workers, like phone wire line workers on the ground. Yeah. And it was like 60 of them in a room. They didn't give two craps about anything health related, but we had to give them this talk on ergonomics and different things. And uh, it was the hardest one at the time, but we did pretty good. And I remember saying after that, I was like, you know what, if I can do that, I could probably keep on graduating to the next level of difficulty. And so I just kept on challenging myself on it but yeah it's still nerve-wracking as heck when you get up there (laughs) (laughs) of your presentation at parker you know the magnum opus that you prepared ahead of time to deliver what percentage of that content do you think you actually delivered the way you wanted to yeah so i i would say 90 percent. i hit it right on time i good i use like for for me what's been helpful is i've gotten pretty good at prezi p-r-e-z i I know you know what it is but for the audience Uh prezi it does a good job of flowing for you and keeping on point. And I would say I, I practiced a fair amount, but I just kept on, we had to submit ours in December, December 1st. So it was like two and a half months before it was done. So I had it done and I would keep on referencing it and make sure I really hit key points. And so I think I did a pretty good job of it. I definitely left a couple big parts out. That's the difference, my friend. For Berlin, we had a conference ahead of time and then they wanted to know what we were talking about. And I I gave a synopsis of my presentation. And so the first problem was the politicians, my panel was heavily politically oriented. We're like, you know, they were first like, well, you can't say that stuff because you're going to offend somebody. You don't want to offend the middle. So they were trying to preserve their own constituency there, you know? Yep. And I didn't realize that. I'm new to the show. I'm the rookie on the team. And I'm like, okay, I'll cut a whole bunch of stuff out. And then um, they were saying, we don't have enough time for slides. We don't have enough time for a presentation. You're just going to have to give an elevator speech. Yeah, that's so I hard. Didn't, that's hard. I didn't present a slideshow. I didn't present. I just walked up there and talked. And then everybody else showed up with the slideshow. And, and they were reading off of cue cards and whatnot. I'm like, oh, I just got 
I just got rocked. I just got rocked by these these guys that are experts at this. And um, people still said I did good, but I am a a cynic at heart, so I know all the wrong things I did, not all the right ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can't focus on that. Just improve it, right? <laughs> but I, I got it. You get up there, and it's like uh, I know how to hit those one-liners, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and you do really good with the storytelling and the analogies. Yeah, I, when the lights started to get really bright and sparkly and, and I started to uh, forget what I was going to say, I just went into some stories. Yeah, like the croissant shop one you just told in this episode. Like, <laughs> damn, that was good. I was like, where's he going with think that? Think of like, that. Ah. Yeah, if you think of the greatest croissant shop in the world and if you walked in there and they made you feel like that croissant was worth $1,000, what would that be like in, in chiropractic? You know, every single treatment, you give them a wow experience. Even though it's a smaller transaction, but you did it enough people are going to start lining up out the door. It's still a freaking croissant, man. But it's a good one, right? <laughs> an adjustment is still an adjustment, no matter how you kind of slice it, but it's how you deliver it. It is. And I think that's one of the things that I we, I know we try to get across with the, the CSA. And that's why we did it to where we have four modules. We have the marketing, we have the business, which great. But then we also have the mindset, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where we got to get people really thinking clearly and having the right mindset of things. And then the fourth was the clinical side, because that's the key, right? You can put on phenomenal marketing in theory and good business principles in theory, but if your product is shit, people aren't going to come back and you're going to struggle. And so you got to have the product, which obviously is our, our exam and care. And then on the flip side of it, if you're a phenomenal adjuster and great at exam, you're going to struggle to always have a flourishing profitable practice. If you don't get the marketing to kind of ignite it and obviously the business systems to sustain it. And so I think that's where the CSA is kind of a perfect blend of those four to make sure you're hitting on all four of those. And totally uh, agree. I also think that the service you provide outside of the care is part of the product as well. So like uh, your ability to answer people's financial questions or produce or execute their billing and, and collections appropriately hours available. Those are all products, especially in a commodity, you know, chiropractic on some levels is also a commodity. And we know what happens these days, especially in a bigger city is people just ring you up and they're like, are you open on Tuesday? You take my insurance. And if any of those answers are no, they're like, all right, thanks. Hang up. And they're going to call the next person. And they're just going to keep calling down the line on their insurance list. You know, they don't care how good you are. They don't care how many levels of McKinsey you've taken and you've taken all these courses. They're like, next, 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 next. And yeah, that's a that's going to lead to that le- leaky bucket if you can't exceptionalize yourself. Does that exceptionalize yourself? I like it. We can we can add that to Webster's if we need to. <laughs> exceptionalize yourself. Oh, but, uh, no, I, I think that's definitely a, a key point. And I think it's being missed by a lot of people. And um, I had this conversation when I spoke at MPI and it was more around the adjustment part. So I'm not going to get into it, but ultimately a lot of chiropractors are uh, in the evidence informer kind of abandoning it sometimes when it would have been a really good option for that patient and for a lot of patients. And I don't know why it is, but one of the things it could be is that they don't get proficient at the adjustment in school. They get out and they find themselves in a practice that maybe isn't doing a lot of it, or they don't practice 
perfect practice <laughs> yeah and they don't ever get really good at it so then they give up on it because either they feel ashamed that they're not good at it or insecure that they're not good at it or they aren't delivering a good adjustment so the patient's not getting results from it so they say it doesn't work you know like there's all these things that can happen with it and so i think that's part of what's interesting is people getting away with it but if you just focus on getting really good at the deliverable whether it is the adjustment or the rehab or the soft tissue then you're going to have a big big you're you're going to rectify that hole in the bucket type of situation now you can just pile on good business and marketing right oh yeah no it's like um you know if you only made croissants you would get really really good at making a croissant now, if you're making croissants and bagels and donuts, you're going to kind of have to multiply or divide your attention there. I'd say I was pretty blessed, and most people would not consider this a blessed situation, but my first job out of college as an associate was at a, one of those high-volume, personal injury, Spanish-speaking only clinics. And most people would frown at ever considering working at one of those places, but it gave me a couple things. One on many days, I never spoke a single word of English, so I am pretty proficient at street Spanish. You are. <laughs> you know, because there was no other option. Yeah. And if you, uh, I was told somebody else today, my brain is only my brain. I don't know what's going on in anyone else's brain. I don't know how you you all assess yourselves or consider how you're doing, whether you're quitters or tenacious or whatever. But there was also this part where when you had to see us like 60 a day or whatever it was, you had to go in and you had to adjust. Someone who can't even give you feedback in proper English that you understand well about how, how it's going or how the adjustments feel or what they're experiencing. I had to learn that information with my hands and I had to learn how to deliver an adjustment that was good that wasn't too much based on, on my own feeling alone, not somebody else's feedback. It would be um, like adjusting someone who had no language skills at all. How would you, how would you communicate what you're doing? What's working right? What's not working? And then there were certain adjustments on certain body types. I tend to think of people as body types, you know, your mesomorphs, ectomorphs, uh, and so on and so forth. And that certain adjustment types seem to work for better, different body morphologies. And I learned that just by observing people not being able to talk to them. Like, what are we dealing with on the observation level? And if a certain adjustment didn't seem like I was doing it right, I had enough people that I could go easy and, and progress my force up until I felt like I was doing it right. So I don't want to say I was experimenting on people <laughs> but because I would never expose them to more than, than I think was safe for them. But I would work my way up to being proficient because I would just go home at night and be like, this part here, so this move or this technique for this type of person. I know I need to get it done, but it's just not working right. How do I get better at it? How do I get better? And, and I, what I really think is happening is a lot of young docs are pressured to, they're not pressured. They want to be out on their own mm -hmm. and they have not had enough exposure to human beings. And then they suck at adjusting. And then they're like, well, it just sucks as a technique. I want to pick something else up instead. That's what I think. No, I, I agree. And that was a conversation we had. And because the one thing like with MPI, they're really good at teaching the adjustment and the people that really go through. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. People that go through that through school and stick with it, they tend to be phenomenal adjusters and deliver it when it needs to be delivered and, and how it needs to be delivered. And 
uh, and we were kind of joking around because it was a bunch of students at the sports symposium. And when you adjust them, it's the easiest thing in the world, right? Like, it, <laughs> it's like yeah, if you yeah, had yeah. a little bit of like down on like, you know, this 240 pound muscle bound guy coming in and you couldn't get something to go, go to a chiropractic school and start adjusting students. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. <laughs> Why do you think those YouTube video makers always have like some sort of 18 year old Instagram model who's like 110 pounds on there. Exactly. It bends them up like a pretzel. Then you get the private practice and reality slaps you in the face. But yeah, you know, I, I just, one thing I've, I've always liked about the MPI is they, they do a good job of teaching it and getting proficient at it. So it's been, it's been good for sure. And I know that we're excited. They're going to actually help us out a little bit with our content for the chiropractic success Academy under the clinician side of things. So that's a cool collaboration. Yeah, I'm super excited about what the Chiropractic Success Academy can be. You know, I have the roster of names of people who are members now, and I just look over those names, and I'm I'm very appreciative of them. And uh, they're helping us, and by that, we are going to be better, and then we are going to help so many people without the bullshit that comes with, like, guru stuff, because we're we're not putting that out there. We really want this to be a team environment. Think of your Facebook groups, but focused on getting some stuff done. That's what we're trying to do more or less. Yeah. And then we Um, got the uh, summer retreat coming up. And then I think people will come along. I think the right people like Motion Palpation Institute and whatnot, they will come along and they will, they're the masters of the content. Yeah. We just want to assimilate it in a way that's really valuable for people. Now this Chiropractic Success Academy summer retreat you know, my wife's been getting the hotels ready and all that stuff. And uh, she's an event planner in the past and it's all nice. It's going to be very nice. Now we just got to get some butts in the seats and um, this content is looking like it's ready to go. Yeah, we're, we're good. I'm, I'm excited. I know we've got people registering and reaching out and uh, it's going to be fun. I like the collection of thoughts and ideas and obviously you and I will be there doing our thing. And then we've added uh, Josh Satterley, who's going to talk a lot about the rehab side of things and how to integrate that. Right. And then we've got Aaron Jorgensen about, you know, masterful and and ethical PI practice and marketing because it can be done. That's yeah. So if I can interrupt, the reason I think we've chosen Aaron is and, and not many people know who Aaron is. And that's one of the reasons is the guy is just a baller. He knows his job. He really cares about people in this this sort of niche of chiropractic where you're not supposed to or or the idea is that you don't. Like he is killing it in personal injury practice the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, he, not, he's not shady in one way whatsoever. So on that aspect, I absolutely love the guy. And um, he's not, he's not going to get up there. He has no bravado. He's a, he's a very modest guy, but the information that he has is so powerful. I am literally, I'm going to stand right next to the stage with a bullwhip and make sure he stays up there <laughs> um, and it'll be good for him. Now, Josh, you know, we, when we look at the CSA from a spectrum, we look at it in four, four categories. You're either uh, just starting out like you're a student or an associate. You might move your way up into an independent contractor status and then eventually a business owner and then eventually the end of career, retirement, selling practice, investing in things like that. And we want to cover all four of those bases in your road on this, this journey that you're on in chiropractic. And Josh has built a successful practice. Mm-hmm. He's sold a successful practice. He knows what it's like towards the end game after your business is churning for a while. What are the next big steps you can take in your life? 
and he knows this rehab stuff. How do you put rehab together and get paid to do it and make sure it's a, it's a program that flows in your office? Cause I know there are plenty of people that they weren't exposed to it enough in school. Like how do I know how to do the exercises chief, but how do I do the exercises in my office so that I can get paid and there just isn't a bunch of people's hanging around doing sets or the chiropractor that's spending 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, doing all these exercises yeah. and charging $50 total. It's like, now you're, you're making a hundred dollars a, an hour. You're, you're essentially yeah. a massage therapist uh, yeah. price, price point. And that's a problem. And so I know he's going to show how to integrate it to where you can actually provide quality rehab and actually make money doing it. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I'm excited about that. So uh, the summer retreat, you never know how these things are going to go in the first year, but we are building towards something that I think is going to be quite epic. Uh, what my experience from forward Kansas city, the event we had last year was you don't want to miss the first one. There's some, something magical about the first one. Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little more standardized as it goes, but you'd be in pretty special company to be at the first uh, CSA summer retreat. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. All the money that's coming into it's going back out into this event. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not making money off this one, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to have some fun too, right? Major league soccer with Portland. Yeah. I've got a couple little treats planned in there too. So my wife's helped me plan a couple nice little treats. So this actually will feel like one of those retreats. We're going to be in an urban forest. So you're going to have a little bit of city life and a little bit of wood, woody life at the same time. Perfect. I like it. I'm excited. Yeah, man. So, and, and we get to see each other again, which is always good. Yeah. We'll have a couple of drinks. So I don't know on a scale of uh, zero to 10, how did the two guys podcast go? This was actually not too bad. I liked it. We got to do it probably like uh, every so often just to do a little catch up. Yeah. So like every, every uh, six months or so, we'll just throw in a special two guys podcast. We'll do a four guys one when we're in Portland, maybe with Josh. Yeah. You know, yeah. When we have these events, it's awesome because someone will just pull out a microphone and push record and we'll just see what happens. We should do one (laughs) when we're drinking. Like, well, yeah, three of us will be the wine guy. I'm the beer guy. Josh is the cider guy. And then Aaron drinks mountain diet, mountain dew, diet, mountain dew. So we'll we'll do a, We'll do a podcast until one of us keels over. So. I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew, Chip. <laughs> I'm at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. If anyone has any questions about the Chiropractic Success Academy or the summer retreat, you can email me at forwardthinkingchiro at gmail.com. Yeah, I still have a Gmail address. <laughs> uh, you can also check it out on the events page on forwardthinkingchiro.com. Or you can reach out to Kevin. You can also find us on Facebook, search us by names. But do they have an email to reach you out to? Kevin at moderndeskjockey.com. Keep it easy. Sweet. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. All right. That was my interview with Dr. Kevin Christie. Now it's time for the Pain Zone finish brought to you by Pain Zone. Once again, get to ipainzone.com. Get some samples and then make an order. Try the stuff out. You should have a, a blend of analgesic products in your office, and then you're going to find which ones tend to suit which patients the best. So you don't want to be stuck on the hook with just one thing, especially one thing that comes from some sort of conglomerate that isn't focused on the success of you and your practice. You want uh, the mom and pop types like Pain Zone. All right, so that was the interview with Dr. Kevin Christie. Mmm, croissants and donuts. Delicious. Uh, Hopefully there were some nice pearls of wisdom for you to take away there. 
Uh, I truly treasure Dr. Christie, and I'm happy that he is in this profession with me at the same time I'm in the profession with him because uh, he makes me better, and hopefully I make him better too. Um, once again, I didn't want this to be a commercial for the Chiropractic Success Academy. If anyone, any of you have questions about the CSA or what it is or what it isn't, I don't think right now it's for everybody, but I think it can benefit a lot of people. You can check out our Facebook group, the Chiropractic Success, or sorry, our Facebook page, the Chiropractic Success Academy. You can message us. You can send us an email at forwardthinkingchiro at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get back to you. We also have a, a CSA email address. I just don't remember it right now at the end of the show. Um, but there's plenty of ways to get a hold of me or Kevin and find us and ask us questions. We do eventually think we will make a product that is so awesome that most of all the chiropractic profession will want to have some part of it in some way. Uh, when you're talking about a Netflix of chiropractic material, which means you can choose what you want to watch, when you want to watch it, and how it suits you, that seems pretty appealing to me. And hopefully someday it's appealing to you too. And if it's appealing to you now, we'll see you uh, in our CSA group. Um, but that's it. That's it for the pain zone finish. That's it for the podcast. And we will see you next time. Oh, and as a, a, if you're still listening out there, two of you, mom and my dog jet, thank you for listening. But I want to let you know that, uh, we're going to start doing some interviews with, uh, some more interesting characters in and out of the profession. We're going to, we're going to spice it up a bit. So stay tuned to the FTCA podcast and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.